Welcome to the Shoreline Community Church Podcast, a community of love, acceptance, forgiveness, and belonging. For more information, be sure to check us out online at shorelinecc.com. Lord, we thank you for all your blessings, all your goodness. We thank you for Pastor Isabel, Lord, that you've brought here to Shoreline Community Church. And Lord, for all the ways you continue to move in her life and to bless her. And God, as she brings forth the word today, God, she's bringing your word. Your word comes with your authority, with your power, filled with your love. So, Lord, as she speaks today, as she preaches today, God, may she just feel that empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit as we walk in obedience, as we step into our calling. God, may she feel that today. And for all of us, God, may we be receptive. May we be just that good soil that the seed of your word comes in. So transform us today. As you now speak through your servant, Lord, your daughter, Pastor Isabel, in your name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. Um, as Pastor Dwayne said, my name is Isabel. Downstairs with the kids, they call me um, Izzy, or as John Gunderson has titled me, the boss. Um, and I help run kids and young adults here. And I'm so excited to be sharing God's word with you this morning and what I believe that he's laid upon my heart for today. Um, but I'm going to kick things off with a story. So I remember as a kid, I was terrified of the dark. Was anyone else here afraid of the dark when you were like really little? Okay, only a few of you are being honest. I see you, I see you. I was terrified of the dark and we had a nighttime routine in my house. So every single night my parents would tuck me into my little twin size bed and they would oftentimes read me a Bible story or some kind of story and then they would sing a worship song over me. And in that moment I was like, okay, I feel good, I feel good, I'm not scared anymore. And I, I remember I would like try to cling on to them because I was like, I don't want them to leave, I don't want them to leave me alone in the dark. And then they would, you know, slowly leave my room, they would turn off the light and close the door. And I remember I would do everything in my power to not be alone in the dark. So I would put all of my limbs underneath my like comforter and I would make sure that nothing was in the darkness because I didn't know what was out there. You know, like I didn't know what was going to come and get me. And for some reason, I was really afraid specifically that the hag from Snow White lived in my room. I don't know where this fear came from, but like I had this very specific fear of the emperor from Star Wars, the hag. It was like anything that was hooded and dark scared me. And so I thought that she lived in my room for some reason. <laughs> and would like come out at night. I really don't know where this like this came from. But anyways, so what I would do is there was like a, a little nightlight that was diagonal on the right side of my bed. And I would stare at that light and I would just say, everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. Everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> and then eventually I would get bored of looking at the nightlight. So then I would switch to the digital clock and I would make little faces out of the numbers, and I would like make the eight the eyes, and like make the five the nose, and every minute would pass by, and eventually, after staring and staring and staring, I would fall asleep. Now, what's interesting about fear of the dark is I believe that it truly never goes away, but it just takes different forms as we enter into adulthood. Instead of being afraid of the dark, we're afraid of the things that are unseen, the things that we can't understand, and the things that we don't see coming. You see, We've been talking about, in this series, our expectations of Jesus' arrival and how oftentimes in our lives, the way that God shows up is so different than what we envision or how we plan. And this week, we're going to be talking about Jesus as the light of the world. Now, we're going to start with the basics, okay? Light and darkness, they live at odds. The contrast of light and dark 
is used, one, uh, is used as one of the most common biblical metaphors in scripture. Now, a biblical metaphor is basically just a way of describing and encompassing a topic in scripture uh, to help us better understand it by using things that we know in our day-to-day life. And so, not only are light and darkness used as metaphors, but they're also used literally. And the way that we see this is light and dark are used to represent things in the physical world, such as day and night, And also, they are representative of the contrast between living for Christ and living bound by sin. But you see, in order to understand light, we must also understand the origins of darkness, right? And in order to do this, we must go back to the very beginning. In Genesis 1, verse 3, when God is creating the universe, one of the first things that he creates is light and dark. And it says this, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. And there was evening and there was morning, the very first day. What I think is so interesting about this is God distinguishes that the light is good. Even physical light is considered good. Not even when we're using it as a metaphor. There is this distinction between light and darkness, and we see that light and darkness live at odds. And just as there is a clear distinction between day and between night, there is a clear distinction between living with Jesus and living a life separate from him. We see as scripture goes on that darkness becomes a key descriptor of living apart from Christ, right? Living in sin, living without hope, And we see time and time again that it's contrasted with the way of light, right? Living with Christ, imitating him, partaking in his goodness, and displaying his love to others. And the truth is we live in a world that is gripped by sin and darkness. I don't think any of us has to look far to see that. We must understand that God is the source of our light. God brings joy amidst our heartache, and he cleanses our hearts, and he makes us whole. Jesus coming to earth, the celebration of his birth. We hear this story every single year around this time, and I think it's really easy for it to start to feel like a broken record, right? We're like, oh, we've heard this before. We talk about the same topics every year. But the reality is God's word is alive and active. And I just challenge you today to listen to what the Lord is saying, because this is not just a story that we tell kids as we gaze out at the snow on Christmas morning. This is something, this is a story that holds real and raw truths for our lives today and can bring hope and freedom in a broken and a hurting world. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to move on with the rest of the message. So dear God, I thank you so much for every single person that's present in this place. God, I thank you that you know what they're dealing with. You know every single situation that they're facing. You know the hard and the bad and the ugly. And God, I pray today that you would speak to their hearts, God. I pray that you would give us eyes to see what you're doing, ears to hear how you're speaking, and hearts to be open to how you're moving in us. God, I pray that we'd be attentive to your word. And I pray that if there's anyone in here that's in need of your hope and your love and your joy and your peace today, God, that you would touch their hearts and you would encounter them, God. We pray all of these things in your name. Amen. So, oftentimes, our human expectations, as I said previously, of how God will show up are so much different than how he actually does. And the human expectations for Jesus' arrival were pretty pent up in Scripture. I mean, we had 17 whole books in Scripture, 17 whole books dedicated to the future of Israel, to the coming of Jesus. So, humanity had a lot of 
opinions about the way that Jesus was supposed to come and when he was coming and all of these things, right? And one of the most important prophets in scripture, his name was Isaiah, and he wrote one of the largest prophecy books in the Bible. He's considered one of the major prophets, and his book is primarily about the future of Israel and the coming of Jesus. And when we look in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 1, it says this, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you. The Lord will arise upon you. And his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. We see here that light overpowers darkness. Light wins the fight, right? We see that darkness covers the earth, right? In the Old Testament alone, we have story after story after story of humanity choosing the ways of darkness over the way of light, right? We see Cain killing his own brother, Abel. We see uh, Joseph's brothers sell him into slavery. I mean, what kind of brothers do that? Um, We also see David let lust corrupt his heart so deeply that he put a man on the front lines in battle so that he could marry his wife. It's a little interesting, but we, we, we mess up all the time, right? And we choose darkness over light. Even the Israelites, right? They had seen time and time again the Lord's faithfulness, right? Blessing upon blessing upon blessing, God active and alive in their lives, and they still strove for more. They wanted kings, they wanted idols, they wanted more and more of what the world had to offer. They wanted to choose darkness, Humanity has grappled with darkness since the fall, and it is a tale as old as time. But you see, Jesus offers an eternal solution. What did it say in verse 2? But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. You see, Jesus is the open door to give humanity redemption and a second chance. Not only that, but Jesus allows us to radiate that same love, that same joy, that same hope, and that same grace to others. We see that light overpowers darkness. And we must understand that Jesus is the eternal light. So for years upon years, these prophecies are told, right? And Israel just is waiting for a king. They're like, okay... Anytime now, and they're thinking, you know, someone's going to come in with royal garments and a golden crown, and he's going to be the mightiest God of all. But that was all by human expectation, human standards of what might and majesty look like. And what we received was a little baby boy. And so they're waiting and they're waiting, and then in Luke 2, humanity receives the news of Jesus' arrival. And Luke paints a picture of what this announcement was like. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there with he, an angel, multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. The shepherds in shock and awe and wonder and fear are told of this child that will be their savior. The angels came crashing in in all their glory and all their mighty and all their wonder. And God reveals the arrival of his son in a glorious way to the humble and to the lowly. And 
I, I love this picture because I feel like it reveals so much about the God that we serve, right? You know, we could have had angels come in and go to every single king and say, hear ye, hear ye, you know, a king is coming and he's going to overpower and overthrow all of you. But that's not what God did. He went to the humble and to the lowly and he revealed himself to them because God cares deeply about people's hearts and who they are, not the amount of money in their bank account or their social stature, right? And to humanity's surprise, a baby boy was the hope they'd been waiting for. Not a grand king in royal garments or a gold crown, but a child born unto a virgin and a carpenter. A child was the unexpected but deeply needed savior that they would meet. And Jesus' majesty was unlike any God humanity had ever witnessed before. The greatness of Jesus' legacy, it wasn't in a grand entry or procession. It wasn't because of the multitude of heavenly hosts. It was in the life that he lived and the death that he suffered. Jesus, unlike any God that humanity had witnessed before, Jesus' majesty was molded by the nature of him being completely human and completely God at the same time. He did ministry among people and in places most earthly kings and little g-gods would describe as disgraceful and wouldn't even dare to associate with. Jesus lived a life of influence. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He delivered Mary Magdalene from captivity of an impressive spirit. He provided food for the needy. Jesus bore a light in the darkest spaces of everyday life. He walked in obedience in the simple things and declared truth in the hard-to-reach places. Jesus modeled what daily sacrifice and obedience looks like to us. And Jesus, yet unexpected, was the eternal light humanity needed and still needs to this very day. You see, Jesus is the eternal light. But the beauty of this light is it isn't just to illuminate our lives, but it's something that we are permitted to radiate through us. God illuminates our lives and lets this light radiate through us. We see in John chapter 8, we see a picture of Jesus talking and preaching and doing ministry. And he's just talking to people like he loves to do. And in verse 12, he proclaims, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of light. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You see, when we walk with Jesus, we have the ability to walk in the light. We are faced with an option to choose between light and darkness. And as much as we would like to say that it's so easy and so simple to walk in the light, oftentimes I feel like we choose the other way. You see, darkness what does it do? It creeps in, it tempts us, it ensnares us. It persuades our heart with lies that sound more appealing than the ways of Jesus. But since the fall, this has been an everlasting battle. I mean, we're human, right? Between light and darkness, between abundant life and sin, humanity has always battled with this tension. You see, the truth is walking in the ways of Jesus isn't as easy as we assume it to be, You know, we can sit in church every single week and say we follow Jesus, but it's in the simple daily obedience like Jesus modeled that we truly walk in the light, right? 
And oftentimes walking in the light of Jesus, we think that it means that our whole life is just going to be easy, right? It's just going to be a breeze. Once we choose to follow Jesus, it's like, okay, I'm going to have all the joy all the time and all the hope all the time. But sometimes we have to seek it. We have to initiate. We have to step out in faith and say, God, I'm willing to trust you amidst the darkness that I'm facing because I know that you are the light. And I think oftentimes walking with Jesus is a lot more like walking with a dim candlestick than a floodlight or, or a flashlight, right? We hold this candlestick in front of ourselves and we're like, okay, God, I can't see very far, but I know who you are. I know what your word says, so I'm going to trust you. Even though things are hard, I'm going to trust you. And you kind of just have enough light to see step by step by step by step. It's not always a front-to-end knowing where God is taking you or what he's doing. And there are seasons where that light is going to feel a lot dimmer than other seasons. One of the beauties of walking in the light, though, is the opportunity of getting to radiate that light to those around us. You see, when we partake of the light of the world, when God is a source of our joy, it truly does transform our daily life. We begin to crave God's word. We begin to open up our days and say, okay, God, will you highlight people today that need encouragement, whether it's at the grocery store or at my work, God, will you use me? We begin to be more gracious to our children or to our siblings or to our spouse, right? We begin to truly model the ways that Jesus has shown up in our lives, but we have to be open to that light, and it begins to transform the way that we live. But we have to trust the Lord. We have to step out in faith. The bottom line is we as Christians are called to live in active faith. It's not supposed to be a passive thing. We are called to live like Jesus and to display God's character to those around us. And the truth is, I don't know what you walked in here with. I don't know what you're dealing with this holiday season. You know, some of us might be in seasons where we're walking with our candlestick and the winds are surging. And we're like, the candle's going to blow out. The candle's going to blow out. I don't know what I'm going to do. But God, I know who you are. I know what your word says. I'm going to trust you. But then some of you may feel like, you know, you have a little bit more of a gaze on what God is doing. You know, you might be walking with a flashlight instead of a dim candlestick. But the reality is, no matter what the light looks like in your life, the source never changes. Right? Because Jesus is the eternal light. It is a light that will never blow out, right? What did it say earlier? It said that the light overcomes the darkness and that there will be no darkness for those that walk in the light, right? That choose the light. And as we reflect on Jesus' birth this Christmas season, I challenge you to remember that no matter how bright that light is shining, no matter how bright that light feels at this moment, the source of that light, it never changes. And we all will go through seasons where things feel a little bit darker than other times. But it doesn't mean that God isn't there with us. It doesn't mean that he doesn't care about us. It doesn't mean that he's forgotten us. Sometimes it means that we must step out and trust him in every single step, right? God is our source. He is our light. What did it say in John 8, chapter 12? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We simply get the pleasure of enjoying the illumination and displaying it to others. And so today, we're going to have um, a prayer team come down to the front, and we also have the prayer walls and communion available. 
And if you're in a season like I described, where you feel like you are clenching that candlestick until your palms are bloody, and you just feel like, God, I don't know what you're doing. I know that you're good. I know what your word says. I've read the Psalms. I've read the Gospels. But God, you feel so far in this moment. God is still there. But sometimes we need a little bit of a reminder that he is. You know, one thing that I think is so beautiful about how God has wired us is that we weren't meant to do life alone, right? We are meant to do life together, walking alongside of each other in a church community. And oftentimes when we come down to the front for prayer, we feel a sense of shame about it, right? Like something's wrong with us or somehow everyone's going to know what's going on in our lives. But really it's just admitting our human nature that, hey, we all have stuff. We all can't do life alone. And sometimes we just need an extra boost of confidence that God is walking with us and for someone to talk to us and encourage us and to uplift us that he's there. And so if you've been walking in a season where you feel like he's far, or if you've been walking in a season where you feel like you can, you can see things in perfect vision, I challenge you, would you press in today? Would you respond how you feel like the Lord is prompting to you respond? Would you come get prayer? Would you go to a prayer wall? Would you take communion? Because we're a family here. And we deeply care about what's going on in your life. And we want to walk with you as you walk in the hard things, as you walk in the dark places. We want to be walking alongside of you as you hold that light, okay? So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be open for response time, and you can respond as you feel. Dear God, I thank you so much for every single person that you have in this room. I thank you that you see every single situation that we're walking through and that none of it shocks you. God, in the morning and in the dancing, you're always there. And God, I pray for those that are heavy-hearted today, that are dealing with loss. I pray for those that are desperate for healing, that are desperate for direction. God, I pray that you would draw near to them right now, that they, they, would, they would feel your presence so near to their hearts. And God, as they walk out of this church today, that they would know that they are walking with you that you're never going to leave them alone, that you're never going to abandon them, and even though the light may seem dim, God, that you are with them. God, we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Amen. As You know, as we're singing that light of the world, I was, think, I was thinking about the illustration that uh, Pastor Isabel gave when sometimes it f feels like you, you want to have this big floodlight that just flood everything, but sometimes you feel like you're holding a candle and it's just step by step. How many of you are there today? And you know, it, it made me think about, um, while I was home this past week, I would drive an hour in from my sister's house to go be with, be with my mom and my dad and walk them through just a very difficult situation that they're going through. And then I would drive an hour home. And if, if you grew up in Newfoundland, you know that you try to get on the road, especially at night for a long journey before it gets dark, because highways back home are not divided I-5. There are these little roads, two lane. And everyone's still going super fast, but it comes right up. The trees come right up to the road. And moose love crossing the road at night. And they're huge animals, beautiful animals. They just spotted one in Mount Rainier, by the way. Um, but they're huge animals that cross the road. And I remember this one night, it was rainy, and the highways, they're not well kept, and there's not, nothing reflective. And I'm driving like my dad's old Highlander, right? And it's just, you know, the, the lights, they call them lights, but they're not that great. They're all foggy. And I can't see a thing. 
and the snow's coming down, and it's rainy down, and it's just each side is sharp and it's down. And I'm like, man, I can't have an accident when I come home. This is my country, right? And so, I, and this person came up behind me who had great lights. And so, do you know what, what I did? I slowed down so that they could pass me, and then I stuck on their tail. <laughs> Low beams, and my lights weren't that great anyway. But I got a picture of, just from the Lord, and maybe this is a word for you, that sometimes we're trying to lead the way, and we're trying to be out there, and we're trying to take it. And sometimes the Lord's just saying, you need, you need to slow down, and you need to allow the Lord take the lead. We're followers of Jesus, right? Maybe for some of you today, you need to slow down. And you say, all right, Lord, <laughs> I need you to come in front of me. But it's not until we slow down. That word worship means we surrender ourselves, that we literally bow and we yield and say, God, I yield. You're in control. But we empty everything, not just a few things. That's not worship. Worship is here I am to bow down and say, you're God, and I give you everything. And that's when it kicks in. Allow the Lord to come in front and say, just stay on my tail. I'm going to get you home. I'm going to get you home. So, Lord, let that be a picture to us today. We're out. We're trying to run. We're trying to prove how great we are. That's not worship. Worship is saying, you are God. I bow my heart. Take the lead. And, Lord, may we just stay focused on that light leading us, allowing the peace of God to reign in our hearts today. Slow us down. And, Lord, help us in that. May we receive the permission that we walk with you. We walk with you step by step. When you stop, we stop. When you go, we go. Do that work in us today. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And everyone said together, amen, amen, amen. Didn't Pastor Isabel do a wonderful job? You got to be here for a historic moment. You can say, I heard her first sermon as pastor. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful job. I hope the first of many. And again, as you're leaving today, there's no rush. Our prayer team, they stay here. God is still here. Uh, so feel free to pray with one another. Feel free to do that. If you are new today, be sure to check we, with our incredible connections director, Krista. She's out there. Uh, she'd love just to give you a gift and get you connected. Invite someone next week. Next week, we're doing a brunch. That's what uh, men and women of God do. We have brunch together. That will be here next week. And be praying about who can I invite to the candlelight service? Who can I be inviting? Invite someone out. That's how we grow in the love of Christ. So let's all stand together. This is our benediction today. Let's read this together. May the Lord bless you. And be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Now go and live for Jesus.